Breaking the stigma of addiction. This is Zach's life, a story of love, addiction, loss, grief, and recovery. Reflecting on Zachary Horton and others in our community, both, both inside, inside and outside of their addiction. addiction. Hosted by Jim Horton of the Zachary Horton Foundation. All right, we're back again with uh, part two with uh, Jared and Quentin. And uh, again, Jared, thank you so much for for sharing uh, your story and how you got here. And we just were, we're having a uh, a little bit of a discussion. And, you know, I, I use the word philosophical, how you kind of had a, a philosophical <laughs> outlook. And, and I think, uh, you know, as you get older, you've had some time to think about things. Absolutely. And uh, I, 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 I like the way that you've thought and, and, and your thoughts have brought you to a good, a good place now. And, and you're also you're old enough and you're mature enough to realize how how that's going to continue to grow for you. Yeah, and I realize how everything is attached to each other. I I can make that distinction that moving forward, being sober is my best option. Yes. Yeah. So so Quentin, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, tell us a little bit about you. Well, uh, I'll give you a little rundown on the story. Um, this is my first time getting sober completely. I got sober at 24. Um, and I'll, I'll share how it started. You know, I was, uh, I was raised, you know, from two years old to six years old, um, by my grandparents. You know, my mom was a, uh, a meth addict. My dad, my, uh, my father, the man who raised me was a meth addict as well. My mom was in and out of jail and my grandparents got custody of me. And so, and what that looks like is, you know, getting everything you want, you know, cause you can manipulate mm. situations, whether it's from grandma, you know, I was the first, first, uh, grandson, you know, the favorite. And, uh, we all. yeah. Right. <laughs> it's the best, best of both worlds. And, you know, I could, I was able to manipulate my, my father, my grandpa, my grandma, and my mother into, you know, getting getting me whatever I wanted. Yeah. You know, because, well, if, if you're not going to give it to me, I'll just go ask grandma. I know she will. And if, you know, if she has to ask grandpa, you know, well, then I'm going to get both of them. You know? <laughs> so it's just like, so, and, um, you know, drinking started for me at the age of 12, you know, because, let me just take it back for a second. You know, um, at six years old, my parents have got, got back together and, uh, cause they were separated and, you know, I found this out a lot later in life that, um, uh, you know, the only reason my mom got back together, cause eventually my dad had gotten custody of me from my grandparents. Cause you know, he had got clean and sober or he got clean. He didn't get sober cause he, he traded, you know, meth for alcohol. Okay. And, you know, he got back up on his feet and he was able to, you know, you know, build this life and get with this company and, you know, get his son back, you know, and that, that's what it took for him to, to get sober or clean, I should say. And, uh, so my mom and dad got back together and, you know, they, they were together for a few years and got married and, you know, here comes along fifth grade and, uh, you know, mom wants a divorce or I think it was my mom and, uh, you know, things did not, weren't, weren't too great in the household. You know, there was a lot of yelling, screaming, chaos, you know, you're talking two alcoholics and addicts, you know, trying to basically, you know, build a family with untreated alcoholism, you know, and no programs and no working on themselves to, actually be in a relationship, you know, just trying to force something so that they can have a family. Right. Now, now, Quinn, let me ask you though, you're in fifth grade now. Yes. Right at this time. And you'd already said, you know, you got everything you wanted from the grandparents, you know, cause your folks were in trouble and then you were able to play everybody off. But, but for someone that's that age, didn't you just feel like, did you know that things were different in your homes than other homes? Or did you think this is just normal? You just had learned how to manipulate. Well, or did you even know you were doing that? Or, 
Or was, I mean, you know now because you look back on it now. Well, I, I did know a little bit back then because it's just like, it's like I have the upper hand. You know? Okay. You know, okay. they finally have me back in their life and they want to, you know, they want to give me, you know, basically I can, bri- they're bribing me with this and that. And so when they love you, they don't know how to, sh- to tell you, they know they screwed up. They don't know how to fix it. So they're just going to give you whatever you want. Exactly. Okay. All right. And, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more, um, here, here in a few minutes. Um, and so, you know, fifth grade comes around, you know, parents get a divorce and, you know, uh, my mom, you know, we're going through the custody battle and my mom gets a DUI. She, they're out at the bar fight breaks out and she ends up running over backing up over one of her friends, Mm. you know? So my dad gets full custody of us. You know, my mom gets supervised visitation and you know, I'm, I'm a diehard mama's boy, you know, know? (laughs) and uh, (laughs) you know, all, all I want is to be with my mom and this and that. And, you know, my dad did provide a, a, a great life for me. You know, I learned a lot of things from him. You know, it's just, I'm a mama's boy. My sister, she's a daddy's girl, you know, and, um, you know, and so at this time, you know, uh, eighth grade, you know, we're out camping and, you know, my dad goes here, have a shot. And so, you know, we're out camping in the woods, you know, it's my dad always thought of vacation. Like, you know, it's, we could let loose, you know, we're on vacation. <laughs> it's a rite of passage. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, we're having fun. We're sitting around the campfire and stuff like that. You know, come on, boy, have a shot, you know, be a man, you know, I'm 12 years old. And, uh, you know, and, and drinking really was not my thing at that time, you know, and, you know, it's time 12. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jack Daniels, like, come on, man. And so it's like, you know, and, as time goes on, you know, at 13, um, you know, we get into high school, people start going from, you know, that lived on the other side of the, you know, in Bakersfield. Some people ended up going to a better school district, you know, cause I had a variety of type of friends. You know, I had people that, you know, had to sleep on the couch, you know, people that didn't have a bed or people that, you know, had, a were very fortunate. And so, you know, they, they went off to, you know, a different school district and, you know, I, uh, so I just had a variety of friends and, you know, a variety of connections and been able, was able to, you know, basically everybody had a little piece of the pie. Right. And so extort everyone. Yeah. You know, I'd go over to Johnny's house on the weekend cause I could do this just like Jared had talked about, you know, and, you know, so, and at 13, I, I, Smoked weed in an alley out of a tinfoil pipe. Burned the hell out of my throat, but I wanted to do it again. <laughs> and, um, you know, here here comes along 14 years old. You know, I start, I get into high school. I'm a freshman, and, you know, I'm introduced to the party scene, you know, because I'm a likable guy, right? You know, I, talk, I can talk to anybody, talk, you know, and I had some classes with some seniors, and, uh, you know, oh, you know, it's like, it's like everybody has that senior friend that just puts your arm around you. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to show you the way, you know? And I was really fortunate. You know, I had, I had a couple of those guys and, you know, they took me all over. And, um, but, and then, you know, I, I really didn't start drinking out throughout high school. It was just more like I was the weed guy, you know, I'm at the party. I'm the one, you know, smoking up, I, I'm bringing the weed, you know, yeah. they, everybody knows what I'm bringing. So it's just like, and I'm just tucked back in the corner, just hanging out, laughing, having a good time. And, um, you know, 15 rolls around. I, I tried my first, first bump of Coke and, you know, I liked it, but I didn't like staying up all night. And, uh, and as time goes on, yeah. you know, it's just, <laughs> and I didn't like it at the time. Um, you know, as time goes on, we're just, uh, I'm just having fun. I, I really wasn't the best kid in school. You know, uh, living with my dad, I had to bring a progress report home every weekend, every Friday in order to, you know, get out and go do things, you know, cause I just didn't like school. Yeah. I did not like school. I hated it. You know, I, I honestly cheated my whole way through high school, you know, bribes like, Hey, you know, I'll hook you up after school. If you, <laughs> if you let me copy your test. 
And, um, you know, at 16, my dad was like, we're going to get you a truck and, you know, you know, you're going to drive yourself to school. Like, I'm like, all right, cool. You know, and Hey, that's just another smoke spot and hanging out and, you know, being mm-hmm. able to get stuff from somebody else. Cause I'm giving them a ride and, you know, I'll never forget. Like, you know, I got, I got 40 bucks a week for school and it was always 20 for gas, 10 for weed and 10 for food. <laughs> And eventually, you know, as as time went on, it's 10 for gas, 20 for weed, and I still had to eat, you know. And so, you know, and at 17 years old, I remember I went to prom and I took my first ecstasy pill. And I was like, ooh, yeah, this is it, you know, freaking I'm out on the dance floor. Like Jared described at, you know, 13 years old. You know, you're just feeling like the man. I got the moves, you know, everybody's looking at me. I'm the man. And, you know, and and the music and the everything else that comes with it. And, you know, at 18, I had uh, I had reached into, like, this rave scene, you know. And I'd started dropping a lot of acid and, you know, taking more ecstasy and doing more coke and, you know, and eventually, you know, I started going to a lot of raves, a lot of raves. And at 19, I uh, I went to EDC, the Electric Daisy Carnival. EDC. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'd been planning this trip for so long because, you, you know, it, it's an expensive trip. And, you know, and. Is that up in the Bay or wh- where is it located? Uh, that's in Las Vegas. Oh, okay. It's like, it's the biggest um, rave festival in the 300,000 people yeah and at 19 you know you're like oh and and imagine me you know you see me right now i have long hair you know (laughs) i'm just this hippie kid that's just you know i'm just got a smile from ear to ear and you know and i just want to have fun and so and you know what that what that trip looks like and what it looked like at the time was you know i was going you know i made it there but you know on the first day I had, uh, I'd gotten past security and I, we were walking down the stairs and I had pulled all the stuff that I had snuck in out of my pants and I get this tap on my shoulder and it's an undercover cop and it's just like, Oh my God. And you know, no, no, you don't understand. I just want to have fun. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you know, and I got caught with, uh, three mollies and three acid tabs and you know and this awesome relationship that I've always had with my mom is you know don't lie to me and I won't lie to you and 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 then unfortunately that that really helped me out in this situation because you know I I told him everything I had and you know and then we were I was handcuffed and we're walking and I'm he's like do you have anything else on you and I'm like yes there's three acid tabs in my back pocket and what, and you know, he, uh, he reached in my back pocket and he took them out and he threw them away. And, you know, cause if I would have got charged with those acid tabs, I would probably still maybe be in jail. And, um, but to move forward, uh, you know, at, at that point, you know, I was in jail and, you know, I'm just a scared long haired kid that, you know, probably weighs a buck 40. And, you know, all these people are telling me that I'm never going to get out. And, that you know, what, cause Vegas was a non-tolerant state at the time. And, you know, I, uh, I tried to call my mom and, you know, she's not picking up the phone. I found out why after I, you know, I got out of jail. Cause you know, grandma came to save the day. She bailed me out, got me an attorney and everything like that. And you know, my mom was using again. Mm. And so she wasn't going to answer no out of state number. Are you kidding me? And you know, I, I remember numbers like it's no tomorrow. And so I called my best friend's mom and it rang once. And I just, I just told her, I said, you know, this is, this is what it is right now. And I need you to help me. I need you to go to my, my grandma's house and explain to her what's going on and, you know, ask her just to please get me out of here. And she did. And so, and moving forward, it's, uh, I didn't learn anything from that. Like my mind was like, Oh, you know, that wasn't enough to make me quit like doing what I was doing. 
it kind of only just like progressed because I got away with it, you know, and, right. my, and my family wasn't really that mad. Like they knew what I was doing. They just like, they only seen pictures of me and all my friends cheesing <laughs> from cheek to cheek all, you know, just having a, having a ball like, Bob, you know, check how much fun I had, you know, oh, we're not doing drugs. Yeah. You know, I only have a spoon keychain hanging around my neck, <laughs> you know, some girl gave it to me. Um, and I just, I didn't, I look back at it now. It's just like, I don't know. I know why it didn't like that wasn't enough to make me quit. It's because of my mindset. Like I've, I've been able to get away with stuff for so long, you know, from, from the very beginning, like, you know, and you know, after that, it was like, my thought process was, how am I going to get it in next year? Oh, I'll just take it out in the porta potty and then, you know, distribute it for myself, you know, every time, you know, I don't, I don't need to do it out in, out in the open to where, you know, another undercover cop can see me. You just got to get smarter next time. Yeah, exactly. And so, and, and, and I did the rave scene for two more years, I would say. And then my mom had, you know, I, I got sent to grandma's, you know, my grandma was 91 at the time and she, she didn't know what to do. My mom, I was living with my mom and she would take me there when she would go to work and pick me up whenever she got off. And grandma was like, you know, my grandma told me, she's like, you know what? I think you need the Marine Corps. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I don't see where. You know, so that's some tough love. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, cause my grandfather was a Marine and you know, she's just like, I think you need the Marine Corps, you know? And grandma, she's just this cute, the cutest little thing ever. And, Tell me that I need the Marine Corps and it's, uh, and so I, I was literally going to go to the Marines, you know, but I didn't learn anything in high school. So I literally failed the ASVAB (laughs) and and you want to talk about, you talked about quitting, you know, and different Uh aspects and your, and your share. And so I just gave up. You know, I was like, oh, maybe, you know, see, I knew it wasn't for me. I, I didn't pass the ASVAB. Well, I didn't study for a test and, you know, <laughs> and this and that. And so. It was God's sign not, yeah, not to join the Marine Corps. <laughs> I think I still would have been an alcoholic and an addict. <laughs> would have been a damn good Marine, though. Oh, yeah. So, and, you know, after leaving Grandma's house, it was just like I still had the same friends. I was still doing this and I was still doing that. And, um. I, I was at the bar scene, you know, at this time, my parents, you know, opened up a bar, you know, uh, well, my dad opened up a bar with his new wife and, you know, I was, I, so I was only drinking, you know, and so, you know, Quinn's doing good. He's only drinking. I see him at the bar all the time. You know, he's, he's having a good time. Mind you, um, I didn't, I didn't have a job. I didn't have this, you know, I was just getting by with whatever I could sell. And, uh, <laughs> You know, and, and so and at this age, I, I believe I'm, I'm 21. Yeah, I'm 21. And, you know, I started, you know, you start hanging out the bar long enough, somebody's going to roll in with some cocaine. And, you know, one of those late nights after the bar closes, we go over to a buddy's house and, you know, eventually the cocaine runs out and he's like, hey, well, I got some stuff you know, from a coworker and, you know, I don't know if you guys want to do it or not. And I'm like, well, well, what is it? You know, (laughs) just, just say it. He's like, like, well, I'm kind of embarrassed, you know, and this, that, and another. And I'm like, bring it out. You know, he's like, you don't need a lot. You don't need a lot. And I'm like, well, just give me something. And I, and that was the first time I snorted meth was that night. And it's just like, oh man, I've been, been wasting my money. You know, why, why have we been paying this much whenever we can get this much for that much, you know? And, uh, and, you know, I start snorting it, snorting it, snorting it. And, um, you know, it was at that, at that time, it was only like a weekend thing. It it wasn't an everyday thing. And at least for the meth and, you know, and eventually I, uh, you know, everybody knew that I partied and I, I was a good time and stuff like that. But at, you know, 22, I, uh, I ended up smoking meth for the first time with, uh, my buddy's dad. 
And, and what that looked like is, you know, I really looked up to this guy. He was my football coach growing up Mm. and, you know, and, you know, I really, I really looked up to this guy and, and how, and how that happened was, you know, I was working on a roof job with him and we went back to his house for lunch and he called me out to the garage and, um, you know, he's heating up how you smoke meth and stuff like that. And he's like, um, you're going to smoke some just in case you tell on me, I can tell on you. And it's just like, and I just sat there and I, and I looked at him and I looked at him and I looked at him and he's like, I'm not joking. <laughs> you know? And I'm just like, all right, I, I guess, you know? And it's just like, after that first hit, I literally looked at him. And I was like, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, wow. you know, like, cause it went from the head all the way down to my pinky toe. I mean, and it was like, woo, you know, and, you know, I was chasing that high from 22 years old up until I was 20, uh, 24 and a half years old. And, and, and in that period of time from 22 to 24 and a half years old, you know, I used every day, you know, and whenever I first had smoked it, like I would play these little mind game tricks on myself because I was still living at my mom's house you know she'd be gone and then you know I'm like I'd go buy a pipe and I'd tell tell the guy at the smoke shop oh it's for my boss you know he's he's too shameful <laughs> to come in and buy his own pipe you know I'd, and it's just like how yeah, many how many shameful yeah you know and it's just like uh and so she would be gone and I would literally I would smoke and I'd wrap it up real good and I'd throw it in the trash because I think I was going to be done with it and I'd go get it out of the trash, and I'd smoke again, and do it all over again. I repeated this cycle for like two and a half months until my mom was like, "You know, something's wrong with you." Da, 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 da. And you know, my buddy, you know, was very fortunate, and his, you know, his family helped him out to buy a house. And he's like, "Why don't you just come over and live with me? You know, you can smoke all you want. You know, it's like, because he did it, and um, and that's what I did." You know, and that probably wasn't the best decision because I was able to do whatever Quentin wanted to do. I could bring whoever I want over. You know, we can stay up all night, days on end. And, you know, and yeah, and at 20, like this is a disease that progresses. And at 23 years old, I, um, I was hanging out with people I never thought I was hang, would ever hang out with. You know, we talked earlier about that addict on the street pushing the shopping cart, yeah. you know, and I, and I, a couple points in my life, like those are the people I was smoking with, you know, I still had a vehicle and, you know, I was working for my buddy's dad that, you know, the house I was living at doing, you know, labor and getting paid 125 bucks a day, you know, that's good money if I could show up, you know, right. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I was, I was going to ask, I mean, you know, being up days on end, do you get a whole lot of work done in that many hours? You know, even if I was self-employed, I still wouldn't get stuff done. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, at that time, like, dude, you know, I'm just so, 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 so high because, you know, nobody's telling me to put it down. Nobody's watching over me, right, you know, at right. this point, like, oh, I'm a, I'm a grown ass man. You know, I could do whatever I want. And, and, um, that's that 22 year old complex right there where you, you you asked me the same question. It's like, it's that age where like I can do anything, but I kind of have responsibilities. Yeah. Just let, you know, now you're making your own money. You know, it's not the forty dollars. Yeah, it's not the 40. a week that you got to manage for food and weed and gas. Well, we and and you were in your early twenties at this point. Yeah, I was twenty three years old. But you don't really have any bills, right? You're. I just was pay, uh, so I was only I was paying five hundred bucks a month for rent, and I ended up meeting some people that sold sold the meth and I was hanging out with him and I would drive him places. So I would get it for super, super cheap. And it's just, you know, it was basically free, you know? And so, you know, and at 
still at 23, you know, I had uh, ended up meeting you know, this chick that was 38 years old, you know, and it's nice, you know, because you're, you can hang out with somebody and not have to hide it, you know, right. and so, <laughs> and in that whole year, year and a half span, you know, we're, we're doing our thing and, you know, I don't have to hide anything from her because, you know, we do the same thing and it, and it just makes it that more comfortable, you know, granted I was not the best partner. Um, and it's just, like I said, this disease is progressive. And unfortunately, uh, my grandma that raised me, you know, passed away on June 18th. And, you know, like I said, that was, she was my pride and joy. And, you know, she was everything to me. And when, when that happened, like, you know, all this, you know, grief and stuff like that. And, you know, I didn't know what to do. Like, and my mom, like, took me to lunch and I knew this was coming because everybody in Bakersfield knows everybody. Like my mom was a bartender, is a bartender and she cuts hair. So she's been cutting hair for almost 20 years. So she knows all everybody. I went to high school, everybody talks and everybody's seen Quentin out, out and around, (laughs) you know, mind you, I'm, and I'm just like, I would see people out and they're like, yeah, talk to your mom. I said, you know, (laughs) You know, she hasn't talked to me yet. So it's just like, so she took me to lunch and, you know, she, she's like, I'm going to ask you something and I want you to be honest. And I was like, well, have I ever lied to you? And she's like, you know, I just told her, she didn't even get to ask the question. I said, yeah, it's true. You know, I'm, I've been smoking meth, you know, cause my whole life I was like, I would never do that. Da, 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 da. I don't, I, you know, I don't want to follow the same footsteps you guys did. And it's just, you know, and she starts crying and, you know, and, at that point, you know, this is where the manipulation comes back again. It's just like I tell her everything she wants to hear so I can go home and get, you know, smoked to not feel how I'm feeling. Right, right. You know, and she's just like, you know, how how are we going to get you sober? And I was like, just give me 90 days, you know, just just 90 <laughs> days and I'll, I'll be off of this. And, you know, and here comes 90 days and, you know, I need rain check another 90 days. And then rain check and then rain check. And, you know, and at the last rain check, I, um, you know, eventually I was like, I don't know how to get off this stuff, you know, and my biological dad, his, uh, his mother lives in the Madera Ranchos and, you know, I'd been there a couple times and, you know, I, her and I's relationship wasn't like, he kept me from her for so long from 17 to 24. Uh, you know, I'd seen her a couple times, but I didn't really get to know her. And, you know, I built up the courage to let her know every, what, everything that I've been doing, you know, and that I need help and that I just want to get away from the situation that I'm in and not feel the way I'm feeling, you know, and, She's done dealt with addiction from both of her sons. You know, my dad is, uh, you know, um, tomorrow he'll have 60 days clean and sober. But congratulations. Yeah. You know, but it had to take him going to jail, you know, and he's still in jail right now, you know, and it it takes everybody a different way, you know, to get sober. Like some people might have to do this and some people might have to do that. But I mean, whatever it takes. Right. And so, and I, I expressed myself to her and she's like, you know, let me talk to my husband. And, you know, he said, yes, he told me I can come up there and they talked about it. And, you know, this was on August 6th of 2021. And so I was, I was on my way since August 6th, you know, like, okay, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm going to come up today. I'm going to come up today. You know, I'm going to come up today and, you know, and it was just so hard to leave the the situation that I was in because, like, at one point I told my friend, like, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. Right. You know, and, like, I had the embedded, like, I had everything I I wanted in, in my addiction. I was getting EDD from unemploy- uh, unemployment while they were handing out $600 a week for on top of your, your pay. And it's just, like, I got I had everything I wanted. You know, why would I leave this lifestyle, even though I, I don't like the way I feel and, you know, I can't look myself in the mirror. 
And, um, you know, and so I keep telling her I'm coming, keep telling her I'm coming. We finally have the celebration of life on August 18th. And it took everything I had to show up, you know, because I had not slept in three days. I just had a memory pop up on Facebook of what I looked like. (laughs) And, you know, I still cleaned up nice. Don't get that. You know, know, I still cleaned up nice, but it's just like I looked like that going to my my grandma's funeral for celebration of life. It's just like, wow, like that's where I was. Yeah. You know, and. And after that, it took me. I think August has 30 days in it. I so I'd got so I'd gotten to Fresno either August 29th or August 30th. And I told my grandma I was still on my way and I was just driving around town doing what Quentin would normally do in Bakersfield. And she had finally called me. She's like, what are you doing? You know, are, are you coming or not? And then she's like, where are you at? I said, I'm on O'Reilly's on Blackstone. <laughs> you know, mind you, the truck's torn apart. I'm freaking, I'm just doing what people do oh, that are on that stuff, at least what I did. And she's like, Oh, cool. You're, you're on Blackstone. All right. You have 30 minutes to get here, turn around and go back home. Like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. Like she's dealt with this enough with her kids, you know? And, um, and from that point on, like something, something bigger than me allowed me to get in that truck, drive on the 41, toss all my stuff out on the freeway and go there. And get and show up and boy, she had plans for me. Let me tell you, she we got there. She's like, "All right, we have an appointment. Come on!" And she took me to this guy Ron's. Uh, this guy Ron, he does a lot with uh, Ron Climber. That's his name. I'm sure he wouldn't mind telling me telling the podcast. Shout out, yeah, shout out Ron Climber. He scared the <laughs> shit out of me. Let me tell you, um, he took she took me there, and you know, he's like, "So, you know, how long you been using for?" just about two and a half, almost three years. And he's like, really? At this point, I'm like, my chest starts poking up. I'm <laughs> like, yeah, you know, he's like, you don't look like it, you know, because usually you see people that, you know, people are yeah. pickers or this, that, and other. And I was really good on the hygiene. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, he told me that he was going to send me to a program for six months. And I just could not gather leaving my dog for six months you know and and i told him you know we we got to talking more and more and more and i'm like dude i have not slept in almost two days two or three days and i'm hungry i was like can i go can i go get some rest and think about this and we can get back to you he's like yeah sure and so we go back to grandma's house and on the way back to grandma's house i uh I asked her about this guy, Matthew, that did an intervention on my biological father. And, you know, because him and I did some therapy work while I was in my addiction and over the phone. You know, he, mm-hmm. he lives down south and, you know, he really guided me and helped me. But like, you know, they're like we were doing it and then boom, I just kind of ghosted him. And so, you know, I reach out to Matthew and. Sure enough, grandma's already been in contact with him just for a backup plan. Like she, you know, grandma's not messing around. She is not messing around. She's done this before. Yeah. And so, you know, and and sure enough, he was up there in the next day. So this was September 2nd. Um, This was September 1st, actually, my sobriety days. And, you know, we sat down at the, the kitchen table and, he found me a program for 60 days and I wait out the odds 60 days or six Six months. months. (laughs) I'm going to take 60 days, you know? And so, and you know, we left on September 2nd to go down to Yellowstone and you know, it just, I get there and he, he warned me that this was the last house on the block. I didn't know what that meant. You know, this wasn't a luxury one. This wasn't on the beach, Jared. This was uh, this is the last house on the block. You but weren't in the mansion yet? No, but this is what I needed. This is what I truly feel that I needed. And, uh, you know, I, and I get in and they're like, you got dropped, you know, you got dropped off. You know, your probation officer didn't drop you off. I'm like, no, 
why? And they're like, have you ever been to prison? You know, and I went to a, a program with people straight out of prison that this is their last chance, you know. And so immediately I get super resentful that my grandma sent me to treatment with a bunch of people straight out of prison. You know, like, how could you guys do this to me? Well, you did go to jail in Nevada. But did, I, did that count in there? I, they laughed whenever I told them. <laughs> you know, they like it. You know, I'm just this. It doesn't, that doesn't give you any street cred. No, man. I just, I barely had any meat on my bones, and these these guys have been working out for freaking six years <laughs> using a water bag and stuff like that. And so, you know, at and at at day four when I was there, like I packed my bag, and I was gonna leave. You know, I didn't know where I was going to go. I didn't have no phone. I didn't, you know, I didn't have my wallet. I was just going to go. And, like, that right there, and like, because I was going to leave, you know, I'm all teary-eyed. I'm all freaking upset, you know, because I just can't believe that my family sent me to this place. And, you know, and one of the guys comes out, and he's like, what's going on, man? You know, and I just start bawling, like, you know, I miss my family, this, you know. I hear it all the time now and um i just i basically just let it all out to him i was like i want to call my mom it was the guy who worked worked there and he was a house manager at the time and you know i got that phone call to my mom and you know my mom's like oh my god calls my grandma like what can we do he doesn't like it there you know <laughs> this that went to know. the rescue yeah and so and you know grandma this is my biological dad's mother. And like I said, she does not play. She said, okay, he can come home, but tell him to get in his truck and go back to Bakersfield and don't talk to me, you know, cause she's just fed up, you know, fed up with just this ongoing addiction that runs in her family, you know, and she's just had enough. And so, and my mom, I called my, my mom called me back and she said that. And like, I, there, there it is again. Something bigger than me allowed me to stay, you know, for the 60 days. And, you know, in between that, the 45-day and 60-day period, uh, Matthew had gotten me a full scholarship to my time recovery, you know. And that's where I talked to Scotty for the first time and, you know, yeah. crack, crack is whack. And, you know, drugs are so 2020. And, you know, and he's like, oh, I, I, you know, we we got indoor sock, you know. He he he's a good seller too, man. And it and it is a good sell, and uh, you know. So I'm trying to vision this place in my head for these next 15 days, because mind you, I'm on the last house of the block, and so, you know. And I and I get and I finally get to my time, and I'm just like, whoa, you know, they got their own facility and stuff like this. And I'm going to get a therapist and I'm going to get a counselor and we're going to do like individual sessions. And like, this is where like Scotty told me I'm going to be able to work on my healing process. And I did, you know, I, I got to work on, you know, the, the childhood, you know, the finding out my dad wasn't my dad, you know, and all, all those like, you know, traumatic experiences for, you know, someone my age, you know? And so, you know, and since, you know, getting sober, it's, uh, I've been sober on July 1st, next Friday will be 22 months. Oh, wow. And so, and, and this is my first time it's getting, awesome, dude. Uh, yeah, it, it really is. You know, it's, uh, it's a freaking journey, dude. I mean, I, I would have never thought, you know, like life could be this good. And this is my first time getting sober like off of everything. And, you know, I, I have a lot of great people in my life. Like I've, you know, and I'm so scared of not taking the suggestion or doing the work. Cause I don't want to find out the consequence of down the road. Like, and yeah. I think, I think that's my, one of my greatest gifts of this sobriety. You know, if, if it's going to maybe save my life, I'll try it out. You know, I might get three opinions, <laughs> you know, and still always result back to mine, you know, and see it, see why mine didn't work out. But, uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, like today, you know, I've, I've been a house manager for a sober living since, uh, last year in April. 
and it's like they they help me more than like just as much as I help them. You know, we get a lot of people different. You know, a lot of different personalities roll in there, and sometimes you know it's it's tough. You know, but it's just like we meet each other in the middle, and like you know today it's got to be a great learning experience. Yeah, you know, like you said, for you is is certainly for them to have someone that has time under their belt and has had the experiences that you've had and, you know, and you guys can both talk to right to the newcomers that are coming in and explain to them, you know, you've been where they've been. 100%. It's quite interesting when you see, you know, you'll see some older gentlemen come in and Quentin's the house manager has some experience and it's, and it's really amazing and not jealous again, but, like, I enjoy it, like, because I'll see, like, some of these older people go and, like, they're looking up to Quentin, you know? Yeah. Like, what do you, like, you know, what do you got going on? Or, like, they're going to him for advice because he's been doing the deal. Right. And, and, and it shines kind of on him. So, you know, that's kind of, like, part of the experience of being the house manager is here's the 26-year-old kid that, you know, a grown 50, 50 year old man says, Hey, what do you think about this? Yeah. And, and, and that is one of, one of the, one of the joys of being able to be in a house like that. Like, you know, and sometimes I don't always have the right answer and, and that's okay too. Like, like this is, this is a learning process for all of us. And it's just, it's a, it's a complete, complete blessing. you have any questions we can we can talk about those well you, you know I, I think what what's been great about today is we've heard you know you you both have different stories completely different and again that I think that that works to the point that people don't they don't get into their addiction always the same way oftentimes there's similarities but but it's not necessarily ever the same ever the same way. It's not. But yet you're it's do- not a one shoot. Right, but one but, size fits all. But but you have found some similarities for sure about about how you're staying sober now. So I, I think as we wrap up today, what I what I'd like for you to do is is just discuss a little bit about the things that you do every day. And the things that you do together, because you guys, you guys, you know, live together in the home, the things that you guys do together, the things that you guys do every day, that that make this process again uh, lets me see the joy that I see, like when I, you know, you know, when I visit the HA meetings, right? And everybody says, "What what is that? What is that like for you now? What does life look like, feel like, smell like, taste like every day now?" For me, it's like so. And he gets to go first because he wakes up earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, I I get to get up at 5 o'clock every morning. You know, this morning was 5.45. Had a long weekend. And, uh, you know. what used to stay up till 5 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> make that clear. I'm still catching up on sleep. <laughs> let's just say that. And so, you know, and I start my day off with instead of I have to go, you know, like I get to go. You know, I started off with prayer and gratitude. You know, gratitude is a huge, 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 like, blessing to me today. Like, this morning I said, I'm, I'm grateful for the, the small things, whether it's socks, underwear, you know, a couple bucks to buy something at the store if I want to. You know, like, I get to be employable today. Like, gratitude, you know, shout out to Brian for this. You know, gratitude heals. It really does. And, you know, and I get to go to work and during work, like sometimes they're like, dude, get off your phone. But I'm talking to people in recovery all day <laughs> long. Like, and then that's just what I love. Like, I love to talk to another alcoholic or another addict and like, you know, just talking to like we talked about like minded people and, you know, what's going on? You know, how you doing today? Like, like, yeah, man. Like, and sometimes I can't talk and. Or you text. Yeah, I'll text. And uh, <laughs> and throughout my day, you know, I pray sometimes. And, and there is some days that I forget to pray. And, and I start having like this, 
weird feeling like I'm having a bad day or like, you know, and I'm like, boom, <coughs> I forgot to pray this morning. Like I'll share a little story. Uh, about a, about a year ago, whenever I first got hired at this company, I, uh, <laughs> not only did I back up into my boss once, but I did it twice and I was just having a rough, rough morning. Like, and it didn't do no damage to his truck or anything like that, but it's just like, I didn't pray this morning, you know, and, and if I, and if I would have prayed, maybe I still would have hit his truck, but maybe I wouldn't have felt so guilty or like, you know, like it's going to be okay. You know, like shit happens, yeah. you know, I always tell my boss, if I was perfect, I wouldn't be here, bro. <laughs> you know, like I would not be here. And, you know, and, and I go to two about, you know, from time to time, three to four meetings a week, you know, cause I'm not going to say that I would get burned out on it, but like, as my sponsor tells me, like, I'm not expecting this to be your whole life. I just want it, want it to be a part of your life. Right. You know, and this is, you know, even though I don't go to a meeting every day, I still talk to somebody that's in recovery every day. I still send a gratitude, just about gratitude list every day. You know, I, um, and I'm involved with, you know, other people's life and stuff like that. And like today I get to be a part of like my fam, like with my family feel a part of, you know, like it's such a blessing to be able to be on the podcast tonight and, you know, hang out and conversate and you welcome us in your house. Like that's huge. Like, cause a couple years ago, people didn't really <laughs> want me in their house, you know? And it's just, uh, it's just, it's a, it's a whole new experience. And, you know, if, if anybody's looking for, you know, a way out that's listening, you know, I would, uh, and that's in recovery and doesn't understand like what's really going on. It's just, you know, I can only sh share with you what's worked for me. And I, I got a sponsor. I did the work, you know, I definitely didn't, you know, I'm not doing this perfectly, but I'm giving it my, an honest try. And, you know, so far it's worked and, you know, it's my life is completely different today. That's awesome, though. And, and congratulations on all the success you've had so far. And, you know, I know I hear it. I know it's one day at a time. Right. I mean, but, uh, dude, it sounds like you're doing, again, all the right things. Right. And Jared, what about you? What's your daily? What, what do things look like for you every, every day that that? Well, keeps this path going strong for you. I make him coffee every morning. <laughs> yeah, so coffee is made for me in the morning, and when it's not, all hell breaks loose <laughs> for me, and I don't know how to continue the rest of my day. Uh, first, I just want to say, you know, all those things Quentin talks about, you know, they're they're true of him, and it's it it's well earned gratitude, well earned joy that he's experience because of the work that he has put in, you know, to become who he is today. So well-earned. Um, it, it, it does Papa. take a little work. Um, I wake up feeling a little different than Quentin. It sounds like, you know, I, I typically wake up with the, Oh, fuck it's, um, you know, that's the, the first thought in the morning. Um, the way I overcome that is directly into prayer. Um, I have to, on a daily basis, turn my thought, you know, it's like, I wake up like that and then w within, you know, five seconds of waking, I, I, I'm able to recognize that and, you know, turn like, God, I don't know. I don't know why I'm thinking like this, but you know, just, just guide, guide me through the day, wake up, have some coffee, you know, that, that kind of brain fog moves along. Um, you know, take certain steps in the morning. Um, some days are different, you know, some days it's a prayer book. Sometimes it's, you know, listening to like some morning motivation on YouTube. Some, some days it can be zone out you know, I'm, I'm an imperfect human, like, you know, striving, you know, for this path of joyous and, and, and days look different. Like I said, the per the perfect day for me is to kind of continue contacting my higher power. Um, we talked about exercise. Um, I'm more of a morning exercise person, which kind of like puts me in that state. Uh, working with my sponsor recently, you know, we're going through a fears list. Um, 
you know, I have a lot of fear around people and judgment and stuff like that. You know, it's like 10 minutes, you know, a, a little meditation during a workout, you know, kind of like zoning out, getting that physical exertion of exercise, you know, getting my dose of oxy oxytocin from the exercise and kind of like, you know, trying to work on some of those things while I have a chance. Cause when I go to work, you know, there's a lot of thinking in involved for me and the, those good days and bad days. And I usually, if, if he's not up or if he's already gone out of the house, you know, one of the things I do is I call him in the morning. I call my girlfriend every, every single morning, you know, kind of like start the day like that. Um, but like I go through days working and I, I'll, I get frustrated, you know, in, in the middle of the day. And if I don't have that continued contact, right, I'm sitting there and I'm like dwelling in it kind of thing. So it's like a rec- it's, it's a recognition thing that like I have to turn, you know, my life over that or, you know, make the phone call and talk to somatics or alcoholics. Um, because otherwise it, it, it it's turmoil and it, and it's kind of like Quentin said where you know I'll, I'll do something and I'll be fighting through something you know construction's not a perfect world and you know you're always you know you're always fighting something and then I'll go like you know it'll be like 20 minutes of fighting something and then finally you're like god please and then, like within a snap of the finger, it happens, and you're just like, "Holy shit! Why didn't you know? Why why didn't I pray 20 minutes ago before I got on this path?" Um, and then, you know, like I said, we live pretty normal lives for the most part. Uh, after work, you know, I have like kind of a balanced schedule, similar to what Quentin has talked about, where it's not every day. Every day is not a meeting. Um, we do pickleball on Tuesday nights and we're practicing for the big softball game. So we've been out there hitting a big softball game. Yeah. We got July 11th. If you're listening, we need people to be of service. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. So, so we've got that going on, you know, some kind of activities, the weekends, you know, I spend some time like enjoying some freedoms. Um, I've spent some time in recovery where I was kind of just like a workaholic and I've like tried to like find the balance of you know doing things, but then like meetings are a big part. Um, you know, going to a meeting and being of service. Me and Quentin have both been. I am currently, and he was the secretary for the meeting, the HA meeting that you attended. Not not that you attended, but one mm-hmm. of the HA meetings. So, you know, being of service. What what that allows us to do is kind of like reach our hand out to the newcomer a lot of times people just gravitate you because it looks like a position of power but really you're just being of service to 70 plus people yes. every sunday and it's like you know trying to get trying to calm 70 people down <laughs> wow 70 people yeah it gets it gets pretty 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 wild in there yeah so it, you know that's a that's a big party you know that's why people come and they yeah. find that they find that connection um i and, but i can say um, the more service, the more meetings, the more I work with my sponsor, the more prayer, the more I do, the better I feel. Period. And, and that includes regular things of life. Ex, you know, if that's the exercise, right, right, you know, work, being the best you can at work, and like have you know having some stable work, and like putting putting those efforts in, and knowing you're doing it sober, you know, and then going to the meeting after it, and you know, because I, I I like to come home and sit on the couch, too, and just soak into the couch. It does nothing for me, for the most part, um, you know. So it's like the more I do, the more. Well, you're, de- you're developing great habits, right? Yes. I mean, the same way that, you know, that you can develop bad habits, you guys are developing great habits. And, so. and we developed a lot of bad habits, you know, along the way, and it, it takes some time right, to reverse those uh, and, you know, just getting out of our own way. Uh, my sponsor says, if you, if you can be of service to somebody, it's a great day. Period. You know, so find you know, if I can find one person to be a service to in a day, 
I can call it a great day. Well, that, that's you know, a win. Absolutely, I, I can tell. I can tell you both that uh, I was having this discussion with someone just the other day before Zach passed. The the things that were most important to me, you know, is you know I wanted to get my golf handicap down as low as I could. Right, and I had I had just. Um, I had just started playing pickleball for a year or two and I'd, you know, been to a tournament, took a second place. And I wanted to, you know, I wanted to hit some more tournaments, you know, and, and I, I wanted to increase that. So, you know, I was, I was watching, you know, I was watching probably four to five hours of training stuff every week, you know, and cause that's how watching I, the YouTube videos. That, yeah. That's how I attack things. Right. You know, reading books and listening to podcasts about pickleball. Um, so those, those were things that were in, in, you know, and I was a, you know, teaching martial arts, you know, at the time too. So I went, you know, wanted to get okay. into the studio. So I was doing, I was doing all of these things. Um, which are healthy, right? Which, which, you know, which were healthy. Well, not so much, you know, I mean, the golf was fun, but it was certainly a mental, these were all mental pursuits. Uh, not a single one of them had to do with anybody else except for myself. And there's nothing wrong with that when, I mean, I, I, I guess, I mean, and now I see a whole lot wrong with it because, you know, what I wasn't looking at at that, at that time was how, how shallow things were. Because I felt like, hey, everything's fine at home. Mm-hmm. And things that aren't fine with Zach, he'll grow out of it. It'll be okay. Hey, and this is my life anyway, right? I want to yes. live, I, I live my life, right? Now that Zach is gone. I can tell you that there is absolutely nothing that I have monetarily, physically. There's no um, success that I've ever attained that has any value at all. And so the value that I get now, I mean, you talk about in being of service, that's a, that's a good day, is that when I can think of something that I can do to help, you, you know, uh-huh. To be a, to be of service to somebody else, whatever that is, if it's you know contacting you know my friends that I text every morning, right, you know, in a positive way, you know, to help them. If there's something that I can do in, in helping to create a podcast that can touch somebody, you know, that's a positive thing. Things that we can do with the sober living. If I can set up the booth and hand out some Narcan that might get used at some point somewhere, those are those are positive things. Anything that I can do like that, that's where I want to spend all my time and my energy now. And so, I mean, I think you guys are on the right, are absolutely on the right track with, uh, with what you're doing. And again, I'm just, I'm, I'm so excited to, to know you and to get to know you better. And I know that, uh, you know, this will continue for us in the future as well. Also, the key, the key to my life is, I try to take a nap every day. <laughs> I took a nap before we came here. I needed it. You know, that's just, that's just. That was never a key for me when I was your age. It's a key now. Oh yeah, <laughs> Jared tells me how old how old I think I am. <laughs> you don't even know, absolutely. But well, I would say, just I mean, real quick. I know we, we're wrapping things up here. Uh, you know, and you say all those things, but in turn, those probably have been more the most rewarding for yourself. More than the golf. And oh, ab- absolutely. You know, even though you're doing everything for everybody else. Ab- absolutely. And, and it rewards absolutely. us. It's amazing. Yeah. No, that's it. Well, guys, again, thanks so much. I appreciate you having you here. We'll get together. We'll discuss again. We'll see you in a couple of weeks for the for the big softball game. That's going to be fun. H-A-C-A. Uh, Let's go. Team Red. <laughs> That's right. That's right. For you that are listening, we're, we're having a, a memorial softball tournament uh, where the uh, AA group will be uh, 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 versus the HA and CA group. So it should be a lot of fun. We're going to have hot dogs and nachos and a good time. candy and soda and water and a lot of fellowship. And yeah, it's going to be a good time. Can't wait. So anyway, thank you guys so much. And uh, thank you. As always, to everyone who's listening out there, find someone today. Tell them that you love them. Appreciate you. Amen. I'm Zach's dad.
This has been an episode of Zach's Life. Thank you so much for listening. For more info on our foundation and for addiction resources, visit ZacharyHortonFoundation.org or check us out on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a story to tell and want to be a guest on our podcast, email me directly at jim at ZacharyHortonFoundation.org.